Welcome, my fellow electrifiers, to another episode of Formula Electrifying. Thank goodness we were granted a brilliant, brilliant weekend in Rome. And in case you miss it, here's what happens. After the qualifying, Stafford Van Dorn started on pole. Robin Franks was just right behind him. Second row consists of De Vries and Da Costa. John Eric Verne started fifth, and Jack Dennis started alongside him. Seventh and eighth were taken by Porsche of Verlein and Larcher. Mitch Evans started ninth, Roland tenth. As for the rest of the grid, we got Motara, De Vries, Bird, Cassidy, Sims, and Gunther. Boemi, Turvi, Askew, Sedekemra, Tixum, and Giovinazzi. At the race start, Motara spun Roland, got himself a 5-second penalty and caused his teammate Degrassi and both Nissans stack up behind Roland. Both dragons somehow sneak through, but both Neos were screwed up. Just moments later, Gunther crashed himself out and brought out a safety car. After the restart, France overtook Van Dorn and started to build up gaps for attack mode. Behind them, Dennis was defending for his life from Evans in attack mode. The fight unfortunately resulted in Dennis hitting Da Costa and got a 5 second penalty as well. Franks took attack, passed by Van Dorn, but overtook him in no time. Van Dorn then overtook Franks in attack mode as well. In the middle of the pack, De Vries was dropping like crazy. Verne passed, Da Costa passed, Matara passed, and Verlan go through as well. At the front, Franks passed Van Dorn and took the lead. But out of nowhere, Evans, who started the race at P9, was in the fight for the lead. Dennis also somehow climbed his way up to second with attack mode. Later, it was revealed he had 2% less energy and he fell all the way out of point scoring position. Due to the safety car appearance, 5 minutes and 15 seconds were added to the race. And during this session, Van Dong, Verne, Franz were so busy with fighting and overtaking each other that Motara, Da Costa joined their little party. And all of that allowed Evans to extend the gap and took his first win of the season. In the end, it was Evans first, Franz second, Van Dong third, followed by Verne, Bird, Da Costa, Motara, Verlein, Cassidy, and Lauter in tenth. For the second race, it was John Eric Verne started on pole. Dennis, who pulled out a very frantic lap in the semi-finals, started second. Lutter started third. Evans started fourth. Bird finished fifth the day before, started fifth. Starting alongside him is his previous teammate, Rory Frines. Verlein started seventh. Tacosta in ninth was sandwiched by Van Dorn and De Vries in the Mercedes. As for the rest of the grid, we have Setecamera, Matara, De Grazi, Roland, Boemi, and then Gunther. Askew, Cassidy, Sims, Tictum, Giovinazzi, and Turvi. Unlike the usual two attack modes for 4 minutes, the attack mode setup for the second race of Rome was one attack mode for 8 minutes. As we go green in Rome once again, Verne got away well. Lotter and Dennis behind were fighting, and Evans took advantage of that and passed Dennis. But still, Dennis and Lotter kept fighting allowing Evans and Verne to extend their leads. Unfortunately, Motara hit the wall at turn 19, and home hero Antonio Giovinazzi also stopped on track, so the safety car was brought out. After the restart, Evans somehow passed Verne when it seemed like Verne got it all covered. 
France to attack mode and got himself up to first place. Vern to attack mode but dropped to fifth as a result. Alexander Sims crashed out fighting with Gunther, which brought out another safety car. Sergio set a camera was at 11th before the restart, but then he dropped to 15th. Evans took a very late attack mode after the restart, and surprisingly only lose a place, which he made it back in no time, and overtaking the leading Franz and Lauter right after that. While Evans was asserting dominance in front, it was Vernes versus Lauter, Van Dom versus Franz. Everyone everywhere was fighting hard, and during all that chaos, Cassidy, who started from P18, found himself at eighth place. Sadly, he was to put to the wall by Bird, which took him back to P17 and brought up another very late safety car. With all Evans' advantage gone and the aggressive Fern lurking just behind him, the race restarted with one lap remaining. Eventually, it was Evans who won the race and shared the podium with France once again. So the final results of race two, Rome Ypres, were as follows: Evans won the race. Vern was the runner-up. France completed the podium. Lauter was fourth. Van Dom fifth. Verlaine sixth. Turvey in the Neil seventh. Ogas, Degrassi, and Boemi eighth and ninth. And then Tickton in the Neil tenth. Yes, you heard it right. Both Neils got points. Now, let's do some discussion. I can't help but notice that at the safety car restart, it seems that the whole field was very spread out. To me, it was a very Formula E specific thing. For instance, F1. During the safety car period, you will want to get as close as the car right in front of you, right? And actually, we didn't see this the first time. Last year in Rome, we have two safety car race starts, and if I remember right, in the second race. When the race started, the field was so spread out that the back of the grid was already dozens seconds away. And why is that? According to the commentary, when you go slow, you can save energy that you can maybe use later. So that's why the cars were going so slow, so that they can save energy, and maybe compete to other cars later. And as we saw in the weekend, eventually the pack will still be stacked up. And then the race restart. Next, let's talk about penalties because there are plenty of them. We know and we expect that Formula E promotes close racing, and therefore there will be robust moves. But at this point, it seems that the so-called robust moves were way too aggressive that it often end up ruining somebody's race. We know that. The cars were hard to overtake on the street track already, so give drivers the freedom to、uh, implement some kind of tactical collision. I think should be fine, but how do we define? That's enough. That's the hard part. In my opinion, the race control did a fantastic job this weekend. I mean, if you don't penalize the drivers, they will just push more and more. But all those penalties kind of make the sport look a little bad. I suppose there was no quick fix about this issue until the next regulation changed. And now let's talk about attack mode. First, I'd like to point out that I really love the attack mode change they've made 
because we are racing in the same circuit for two days. And if the attack mode didn't change a little bit, it almost feel like we're watching two similar races. And if we're going to talk about attack mode, let's remind ourselves to the Evans late attack mode. By late, I mean nearly at the limit. You see, uh, Jaguar X Evans took the attack mode very late, like when the race was almost going to finish. But the regulation says that if you didn't finish attack mode in the races, you'll get penalized. And the very late safety car almost screwed Evans in a way. If the safety car continue for another minute or two, Evans may not have the time to take attack mode and use it all up before the race ends. I think he was very lucky that he got away with it. Also, I think he should thank Sambird for his support. If Bird didn't hold up the car behind enough, Evans will definitely lose more places taking the attack mode and thought maybe cost him the race win. And when we talk about the Formula E race, we cannot forget the fan boost. The way fan boost works is that everybody can vote for their favorite drivers so that the drivers would have an extra higher power mode for a very limited time. I think in the early seasons it seems to work and it seems fun. But now in season 8, it appears it was always the same drivers getting the fan boost, which I feel is a little bit unfair at this point. I mean, think about it. Staffel van Dom, he was almost guaranteed an additional tool that he can use to defend or overtake. Talk about fairness. In my opinion, I don't think fan boost is essentially a bad thing, but the point is that you can't always let the same drivers get it. Maybe a little modification can be done to prevent that. For example, if you got fan boost this race, then you cannot get the fan boost for the next two races. By implementing that, we can kind of make sure that every driver really have some chance of getting fan boost. Alright, enough about that. This weekend, we got a brand new session called Driver's Room. Basically, the officials will gather drivers in this very small room. In the room, they have screens playing the action of the race. And a camera was pointed at the drivers, so we can see their instant reaction about what happened and hear the discussions between drivers. To be honest, I think it's a very cool implementation and it definitely makes the drivers more accessible to the audience. But the screen they are displaying, I don't know why, they put a giant pillar in the middle, so it's very hard for audience, at least me, to know what the drivers are actually seeing. Also, the session only lasts about, I don't know, maybe less than a minute or so, so actually we didn't get a lot of content from the session. This content should be made like something like maybe GQ video, that the drivers actually sit down, and you play the highlights, let the drivers discuss about what happened and produce it in a more delicate way. I believe by doing so, this um, driver's room will be much more entertaining. So, if we were to determine the biggest winners in the weekend, it would definitely be Jaguar. They messed up in quality of race 1, but in a race, it was like they just turned their engine up, uh, motor up. You see that Evans start from P9, got the win. Sam Bird started from P13, Finished P5, and in race 2, 
you can definitely see how competitive Jaguar is. It would seem that they got a very good package at the moment. But if anything Formula E has told us is that it is always unpredictable when it comes to Formula E. And across the history of Jaguar, they either dominant the whole field or they drown. So whether it will be good for the next couple races remains to be seen. Another big winners will be Niels. Obviously, they were improving the car, but the car never seemed to got to the level to compete with other cars other than Dragons. So it was very sensible for them to go for the strategy that banked on safety car. And this time it works. And I think the more predictive qualifying format actually helps out with that. When we look at Mercedes, they were very strong last year in Rome, but in this year, it doesn't seem that they are as competitive as they were. And when you look at the data, they are actually not that bad. They are just not on pace with Jack Cheetah and Jaguar this weekend. But when you look at the team standings, it is still Mercedes EQ first with 94 points, followed by Takua Boucher second, 85 points. Jaguar was way back in fifth with 73 points. So they may not get a bulk of points this weekend, but they are still at the front. And I believe with their experience, they will still be competitive in the field. The biggest loser this week, I think, is Mahindra. They walk away with no points on their belt this weekend. We know the car this season was essentially the same car as Season 7. So we know that Mahindra got pace and it could win races. But at the moment, Roland and Sims seems to be struggling. Things about Roland, you can still say he is fairly new to the car that he might take some races to be familiar with the car. But at Sims' side, I think it's very worrying. Last season, he suffered a bunch of bad luck. He either been hit or retired at the very start of the race. And the frustrating thing is that we know Sims is a good driver. His pace is just great on his day. But for the last few races, he didn't exactly show us that. And I'm concerned that if he continued to struggle like that, Mahindra was started to doubt whether they made the right choice to let Alice Link go. And we may not see Sims next year. Alright, enough about the depression stuff. Now let's move on to our next race in the end of April, the Monaco E-Prix. This time, we are finally doing the full Monaco layout without any modifications. And I'm very excited about that. Last time we come to Monaco, it was, I think, still Evans, Da Costa, and Freint fighting for the lead. So my prediction of the race is one Jaguar, one Takeshita, and one Invision on the podium. But I'm gonna say Bird, Da Costa, and Cassidy. Because all three drivers got something to prove after their teammates all get a fairly good result. In the meantime, Mercedes will continue to struggle. But aside from all that, the big big news about the weekend is the Gen 3 cars. Yes, it is finally going to be revealed after all that little nonsense teaser image that gave us absolutely nothing. And considering the Gen 2 Evo cars look amazing, I will bet the Gen 3 car will look visually very stunning. As for the details about the car, 
let's talk about it after the reveal so we can get more information about it. But what's your prediction about the race? What do you think will happen? Send your predictions to look the Formula E fanatic at pm.me. And if you like what you're listening, subscribe, read the podcast, all that stuff. If you want to go for an extra mile, you can support me on Patreon. I've been Luke, and I will see you after the Monaco E-Prix. Bye.